That's actually a lot better because um, when I saw the sunrise and your guys' reaction, I was like, wow, that's usually the reaction when I walk into a room. So, so yeah. <laughs> not at all. Not, not at all. So we're going to find out if, if I'm like, is like a coach, if I'm a first half coach or a second half coach. Because I've never, never given back to backs. Um, so, uh, yeah, so hopefully we're just like far enough ahead that we're like, we're good to go. Um, so I forgot to use my prop. Um, la last thing. Yes, okay. So screw tape letters, read it. It's, it's a great, just like thoughtful description of like tactics of the enemy. And so I, like in preparing for the talk, I was like, I need to revisit the screw tape letters. So I don't know if you can see like the upper edge. So um, this isn't like the, the um, habit catching on fire. So we, we have a puppy and she eats everything. But I get home and like, what did she eat? She, oh, she's, she's like a mutt. We think like a terrier, something, something. All I know is she bites a lot at this stage. But she's very cute. She's very cute. Um, and uh, and so, so like this, this is like, I don't know, a humorous example of like, wait, is this like the enemy attacking me because I'm reading the screw tape letters? Sometimes it's just a puppy. It is. Sometimes it is just a puppy. So we're already playing ahead um, because... Like, I've got a story, and I ran one story by my wife that, that I told as, like, the lead-in for a forgiveness talk back when I was, like, 22, working in youth ministry, and she vetoed it appropriately. So if anybody wants that story, like, not on. I still think it's funny, but she's like, no, I don't tell that story. So, so we have our plan B story. So a man had a parrot, um, and he was really excited about this. He'd been waiting, like, wanting a parrot for so long. Like, why did he want a parrot? He thought it would be, like, just the coolest if he had his parrot sitting up on his shoulder like a pirate, um, <laughs> specifically for sporting events. He loved to host parties, and he's like, I'm going to have this parrot hang out on my shoulder. I'm going to teach it to say things like funny things, sporting things. Um, Gerald is the parrot's name. And so... So you guys may, it's on the internet, so you guys may have heard this story. So, so he gets the parrot, and then he's like, O-H. No, you haven't, you haven't heard the story. The parrot did not say I-O. The parrot cussed him out, bit him, and overall would destroy everything in his room. So he had to keep him caged up. <clears throat> so I don't know, we, nobody knows how, but this parrot had like a robust vocabulary for very hurtful things, like as this guy came in, and he's heartbroken because he wants this like friend to kick it at the parties with. So over time, he's spending all kinds of money on uh, trainers, on like special treats that maybe he'll listen to me with the special treats. He even got like leather, you know, like the falconer gloves of like, but he could still bite through those gloves. And so one day he's being attacked and he's just like, I can't deal with this anymore. So he grabs the parrot, he drags it, and he opens the freezer and he shoves it in the freezer. And then there's like, that's right. The thing is screaming at him. It's, it's squawking. It's like he hears it rattling around in there. And then it just goes completely silent. And he's like, 
he's a man with a conscience, so he's like, I just killed my parrot. I can't. That wasn't the intent. I just, could, I just couldn't take it anymore. So worried he killed the thing, he cautiously like opens the freezer door, and the parrot steps out very quietly and meekly and says, I'm sorry I offended you with my hurtful language and actions. No. I asked... I, I, I ask for your forgiveness. I will try to correct my behavior. And the man's in shock. What just happened? So he's, he's staring there with his like jaw just like gaping open. And he starts to go in and see what the deal is. But the parrot continues, um, may I ask what the chicken did? <laughs> First half, first half coach. All right, guys. So, I mean, you gotta, you gotta like do an onside kick at the start of the second half, like when you're going back to back like this. So here we go. So, um. All right, so, so this, this is, I'm so excited to share this particular thing with you because this has been my reflection uh, lately in prayer. So um, first I'm going to read a section of the Catechism. The way of Jesus is all about undeserved favor or grace. It is only through Jesus' shed blood that we are able to be forgiven and cleansed. When you begin to recognize the amount of grace God has bestowed on us through Jesus' death and resurrection, you will then develop a sense of gratitude that will enable you to show grace and mercy to others as well. Our justification comes from the grace of God. Grace is favor, the free and undeserved help that God gives us to respond to his call to become children of God, adoptive sons, and here's the key thing, partakers of the divine nature and of eternal life. So um, through in Cornerstone, and then I got to attend um, a rescued conference with Father Ricardo. Um, it was actually John that gave uh, the talk on just like how powerful God is, like in the created, you know, like where we can just look in the created universe. And, and, I, and I know, I'm sure he remembers the number, but it's like, is it a quadrillion star? Like it's something... Yeah, but it should just be, like, the mathematicians, like, missed an opportunity. They should have just said, like, a stupid number of stars. Like, there's just so many stars, and the Lord calls them all by name. So this is the power of God. And recently, um, in a talk, and I don't think someone was, like, making a theological statement, but someone was talking about, like, God is all-powerful, but he's also all-loving. And I just, like, sat with that. And I don't think, again, that they're, like, making a particular statement, but I was like, that word, but. And so... The reflection that I've had is like everything he created, everything he's done is also out of his all-loving self. So the power and the love are intimately united. He didn't create just to create. He created to pour himself out out of the Holy Trinity. So this power of the universe bursting into being the wonders and awesome power of the Old Testament, all those miracles that we saw, the wiping out of the, you know, the armies and the saving of the Israelites, the, the crashing down of cities that, that, that he knew that this needed to happen. Um, his love is in his power. His power is loving, and we get to enter into that. 
That's the reflection. We're going to flesh that out a little bit. But when we say that we get to partake of the divine nature and of eternal life, he talks about that the Holy Spirit will come in power. We have power, and it's intimately united to love and our reflection of God's love. Grace is a participation in the life of God. So this undeserved favor is the way that we're supposed to approach the Christian life. And here's the thing that's so cool. We may not, um, I, th I think many of us believe, especially in like, for those of us that have experienced charismatic gifts, someone might get the gift in a moment to heal someone. Gosh, the power that comes through, you know, from God in that moment. The power in a prophetic word that changes someone's life. Where Jesus said, you may have the power to like say to this mountain, throw it up and cast it into the sea. But here's the amazing thing about entering into God's merciful love. We get to do that miraculous encounter every single day. We may only get to heal someone once in our life through the power of God. We may get one prophetic word. We may get no prophetic words. So like these other instances that we see of power, but this is what he has for us like every moment of every day is to abide in his love, is to participate in that divine life and that divine power. That is miraculous. So with that, if that's still a little wonky and out there, that's, that's okay. Um, let's get into the scriptures about forgiveness. And there's the major one is Matthew 18, 21 through 35. And this one, we have to read it to get into uh, the reflections. Okay, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Then Peter, approaching, asked him, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive him? As many as seven times. Pause. Watching The Chosen has given me a, uh, a new appreciation for the dynamics. Because again, when we read scriptures, sometimes it's like, boom, this happens, and boom, this happens, and boom, this happens. So, so my reflection here is like, Who's Peter talking about? He's probably talking about the guys that he's with 24-7. You know what I mean? He's like side-eyeing Thomas over there, and he's like over with the Lord. He's like, do I really got to forgive this guy? Like, So seven times a day, is that enough? Like this guy. Um, and Jesus answers, I say to you, not seven times, but 77 times. And, and it's important to know that that's, that's Jesus saying all the time. It's the number of perfection. How many times do I have to forgive? You have to forgive every time. So that is why the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who decided to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the accounting, a debtor was brought before him who owed him a huge amount. Since he had no way of paying it back, this is an insurmountable debt. His master ordered him to be sold, along with his wife, his children, and all his property and payment of the debt. At that, the servant fell down, did him homage, and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back in full. Moved with compassion, the master of that servant let him go and forgave him the loan. When that servant had left, 
he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a much smaller amount. He seized him and started to choke him, demanding, pay back what you owe. Falling to his knees, his fellow servant begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had him put in prison until he paid back the debt. Now when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply disturbed and went to their master and reported the whole affair. His master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you your entire debt because you begged me to. Should you not have paid pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? Then in anger, his master handed him over to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt. So will my heavenly father do to you unless each of you forgives his brother from his heart. A few things to, to flesh out here. So um, Neil Lozano, um, the author of um, the book Unbound, did I give you back? I may have said it back. So yeah, can you grab it for me? Um, so he, he goes through this, and there's an interesting component with the first servant. He very well may have thought that the savvy way that he asked the merciful uh, master, um, that's why I got out of this situation. So he didn't, he didn't really absorb, I, basically, I did this. I made it happen. I asked in just the right way. I hit him at just the right time where he was feeling merciful and like, yeah, I, I scammed my way through this. The other servant is just begging you know, for mercy. So, so how could someone go from being, you know, having mercy bestowed on them to going over and, and just annihilating the next person? And again, it's because they didn't understand, didn't receive, didn't internalize that mercy and so that's the message of the Lord is that has to happen. That has to happen. How does that happen? Uh, through prayer, through encountering the Lord, through, through reflecting on his passion, death, and resurrection. We have to enter ever deeper, and it will happen our whole lives. Again, entering into that like eternal life. What does that mean? We get to reflect on this for all of eternity to see how grateful that we are and we still aren't grateful enough. If we were, we would forgive the next person. So forgiveness really then is about obedience to the Lord. So, so the world kind of like in our post-Christian um, like society, it's very a la carte with the things it likes about Christianity. Like, the golden rule, yeah, let's, let's throw that in there. And, like, um, particularly in the mental health world, like, we talk about forgiveness because we see, like, objectively that it makes a difference in, like, our physical being. So, like, my blood pressure is lower. Like, my health is better if I'm not carrying resentment. So what the world says is, again, that slight twist of the enemy. So we're going to keep bringing in, like, what's the enemy's lies around forgiveness. Um, you forgive for yourself. Like, that's why you forgive. You forgive so that, like... You know, the, the saying of, like, if I, um, if I hold resentment against you, it's drinking poison and expecting you to die. And it's like, yeah, there's, like, real truth to that. But, but if there's that twist of, like, okay, then the purpose of forgiving is so I can feel good about myself, that's not what the Lord is asking. Because then, like, where's our focus? Our focus is what I get out of it. Um, and so, so, again, the world, like, 
a la carte is like, forgiveness is great. Like, you do it so you feel better. Plenty of self-help books about forgiveness. But that is not the forgiveness that the Lord is calling us to. So forgiveness is not forgetting. People who want to be able to forget all their pain before they get around to forgiving someone, um, you can't. So, so again, why are there so many self-help books? Because it doesn't really get the job done. Because my, because my focus is on myself, like, and if I'm made for God and I'm made to like, live this eternal life in the way that he's designed for me, then it's never going to hit the mark. It's never going to quite hit the mark for people. And so many things talk about like, like forgetting. Um, we may not be able to forget the past, but we can be free from it by forgiving others. So I do want to mention um, part of our original sin and like the wounds that have existed um, in our fallen nature are injuries to our body and injuries to our mind and our intellect. So in particular, I'll, I'll talk about mental, mental health here. So there are actually conditions where it was, it's probably harder to forgive someone. Um, PTSD would be one because of this, this disconnect that happens in the brain from traumatic injury that, that, again, pulls you out of your intellect and your will and like tries to sweep you into your emotions. But we just went through Romans, right? Like the, all things were, you know, the Lord is not going to give us anything that we can't overcome. So he knows the degree that people can forgive in their given states. So I don't want us to despair about that. He's always going to draw us deeper. He's always going to be drawing us deeper into healing and to love. But, um, but I do want to mention that because for those with very serious wounds, um, they might think this doesn't work for me. Like I can't, I can't get there. So that's the lie of the enemy is that you can't get there. And so I want to acknowledge that. The other piece that's um, with forgiveness is um, the forgiveness is not forgetting is sometimes it doesn't happen instantaneously. We're going to get to like particular prayers that are so exciting where we're going to really work to reflect and forgive the people that we need to reflect so the Lord can bring healing into our lives. Um, and again, the primary purpose isn't the healing. The primary purpose is the giver of the gift. Otherwise, we're back into that kind of like secular like self-help realm. So, so the giver of the gift has so much goodness for us and forgiving. Um, but one of the lies of the enemy is like, what if you still carry some hurt? You still carry some resentment after you've prayed? Um, remember, the Lord healed. Um, there, was, there was a particular blind man where it wasn't instantaneous healing. You know, it was, it was step one, step two. So I think sometimes as part of our walk with the Lord and the, and the passion that he's like bringing us through, it can be a process. So we shouldn't be afraid of that. That shouldn't cause despair. It's like, okay, Lord, like this is, this is where you have me and I know you're with me and we're going to keep going with this. True forgiveness flows from the heart. So how do you forgive from your heart? It's, it, it's to go through that passion, death, and resurrection in the situation with the Lord. So Again, living the divine nature and partaking in that means we partake of the Paschal mystery. So each injury, someone from my childhood, my, my father, let's say, and the wounds that exist there that, that are painful, I don't want to look at them, I don't want to think about them, they're coming up, anger bubble, you know, all those things, 
the Lord wants us to, to take us through that, through that passion, and there's a resurrection on the other side of it when there's forgiveness. Like that, that's going to, he's going to take us through that again and again through life um, and in each of these situations. So that's how the forgiveness can flow from the heart. So what's the opposite? The opposite is we try to bury the pain inside us. Um, you know, if I'm steely cold on this situation, I don't have to feel that hurt. I'm avoiding, I'm avoiding the passion. I'm avoiding the healing. And so then I've got something festering inside me. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not an emotion. So God commands this of us. So therefore, as we listen to Romans 8, 38 and 39, we can be confident that he will give us the grace to fulfill the command. He's not going to give us anything we can't handle. He knows exactly what our um, like mental capacity is. He knows what our emotional capacity is. He knows what the hurt was. He is present in all of that and will give us what we need. So the natural thing is to get into, um, to want revenge for the things that we suffered. This is the downside of like the 30-minute the talk is like um, enemies of the heart. If, if you haven't read it, I encourage you to get a chance to read it. There's a whole chapter on anger and basically like why, um, why do I hold resentment? Because you owe me something, like whatever it is. Like, this guy cut me off on the road. I was owed, like, um, a clear path in my lane. And so I'm ticked for the rest of the day. And this guy's never going to be able to pay me back. You know what I mean? That moment's over. So that's just, like, a, a brief little snapshot. But if you want to delve deeper into, like, where is the anger and the resentment coming from, that's, that's a particular place. And, and we can, I think, even maybe grab onto that today of, like, in the reflections, like, okay, in these situations of who I need to forgive, what am, I, what am I feeling like they owe me? Because what the Lord is asking of us is to let that go and to forgive. Um, as long as you don't forgive, you're still hooked to those who hurt you. Um, you're chained. And again, there's probably, you're, again, that smell test, I'm in the accuser state. If I'm not forgiving, I'm accusing, right? And so whose kingdom am I in? So the Lord, the Lord is, is calling us um, to live that, live that divine life. Justice, like what do we do with that? Lord, don't, aren't I owed justice in this particular situation? He'll take care of that. He will take care of it. Whatever the situation is with the other person, um, one book that I, that I read in preparing for this, it it's like, there's a section where it's like, if you could get everything you were owed, don't get it in this life. You know what I mean? In this valley of tears. Like, it's, it's the moths are going to eat it. The, you know, the thieves are going to take it away. Build up your treasure in heaven. Like, even if we could get everything we're owed, we still won't be satisfied in this life. So, so if that helps us move to, like, forgiveness... That, that, I hope, is a, is a helpful reflection. Again, forgiveness is mainly an issue of obedience between you and God. Um, there's an analogous story with, with uh, um, St. Teresa of Calcutta. Uh, she was getting a lot of flack because she took a big donation from some like, heavy-duty mobsters. And, and people were like, how could you do that? 
And she said, them giving me this money is between them and God. What I do with it is between me and God. So, so there's a degree in forgiveness of like whatever's going on with that person, the hurt that they caused you, the sins that may have taken place, um, there is that hurt with you, but ultimately it's between them and God. Me forgiving them, that's between me and God. I have to be obedient to that. Why? Because I continue to look at Jesus and what he did for me. Every time I'm struggling with this, I look back to the cross because if I'm looking at the cross and I'm really allowing him to speak to me and like help me understand more deeply what he did for me when I was his enemy, how could I not be merciful to those around me? That's where the grace comes in to live this power. And now, again, the power, um, I'll, I'll share a personal story. Um, my, uh, my dad had a whole separate family growing up that we didn't know about. For 10 years, had an affair and was living with this woman and had a child um, with this woman. And that all came out when I was in like sixth grade. And like, it was like a nuclear bomb went off in my family. And my, my parents like worked it out and, and stayed together. But there was um, anger and resentment um, from uh, the mother of my, my sister, Amanda, um, who was born through that relationship. And she, she kept her from the family. So we, we never got to interact with her. We saw her once when, uh, at church, ironically, um, when we were all young. And it was just a quick. And I, as a kid, I've never seen, I've never thought I could strike such terror in someone as when this woman realized who myself, my brother, and my sister were as she's standing there with her daughter. And, and now, like, understand the pain and, like, the protection and again that self-reliance in that situation. So, so recently, um, this this woman had a stroke, catastrophic stroke, and uh, and my sister has been uh, back in our life for the last few years, but it's been a slow process. Um, another part of it, just again, I think to show you how deep it went, is uh, she was told her dad was dead, and so she never sought him out. And so we were kind of waiting, like maybe she'll come to us eventually, like we don't want to rock her world. And we finally like reached out and our email to her was a nuclear bomb in her life. And so, so that, again, caused a rift. So, so I've had a certain, I've had feelings about this woman my whole life since I've been 12 years old. And I don't know when in particular this happened, but, but she had the stroke and it was just no question where I, um, both she and my sister are away from the faith, is my understanding. And um, I said, hey, I'd love to bring you a meal. I'd love to come to the hospital. And I'd love to pray over your mom. And uh, I had the opportunity to do that. And as I walked in, and, and anybody that's been in kind of like an ICU setting, um, it certainly makes mercy easier to see just the fragile state of the human condition. Um, but it was great. Before that, something had moved in me. And all I can say is that it was love. And I, and I talked with my sister, and I prayed over her mom, and I prayed for the Lord to come into her life and to heal her. And, uh, and she could only move one side of her body, and she couldn't communicate verbally um, yet. She reached out, and she grabbed my hand, and she squeezed it, like during the prayer. Um, and I'm, I'm so grateful because going back to that beginning thing that's kind of amorphous, and like, what does that mean, like the power 
of like living that power of the love of God. Um, just as he could bring something from nothing, he can repair relationships that are utterly shattered. He can heal hearts. He can, he can move resentful people to be people that bring Christ to the world. That's what we're talking about. That's what forgiveness is. By, by looking to him, it's, it's easy again to talk about like all the good things that come from when we like forgive someone. Um, but again, we're mindful of the enemy. So we're, we're, we're accepting those. We're, we're enjoying those. The, the like what it is to be in the house of the father. But we're not focusing on the gifts. We're focusing on like the father and, and, and the holy trinity. So that's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's just praise God. It's um, he who can bring something from nothing can heal all things. So now for us entering into, like, how do we actually go about it? Like, what's, what are some of the steps? There are some practical. So in the book Unbound, um, the one I mentioned, Enemies of the Heart, has some very practical prayers. But again, we're talking about um, the battle against the enemy is in, is in our mind. And so that's where this, this takes place. So just to take you through a, a few of these, that may be helpful um, for the weekend. So find someone you trust to pray with you. Um, it helps if this person is spiritually mature. And look for someone who has suffered as a Christian and been made stronger for it, um, who has known what it is to forgive and whom you feel safe. This, brothers and sisters, this, this is surrounding yourself with like the shields and the armor. So like, how do I enter into this? I don't enter into forgiveness alone. I enter into it as like part of a community who loves me and supports me. Again, we're trying to not look at what we hope to get out of it, not look at um, how hard it may seem. We turn our focus to the Lord. The next step is to begin to praise God and thank him. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We put ourselves in the right position and we know where God is in his appropriate position in our hearts when we, when we enter into praise and worship. When you sense his presence, consider Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. Acknowledge his love and his power. So the reflection I, I have for you there is I would encourage you, when you think of God as powerful, whatever that is, like when you look at the ocean, when you're up in the mountains, like uh, a story out of scripture, and ask him like, Lord, okay, I know that there's love all throughout that power. Show me where that is. Like, I want to I wanna not just see the power. I want to see the love that goes with that. Please show me that so I can, I can know you more fully. Remember the words of Jesus. Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. That once for all aspect of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus means that these words are eternal. So we can, we can grab onto those as being adopted um, sons and daughters of the Father so that we can say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's, it's easy now. It's so funny. Like, say 10 years ago, the resentment that I had for this individual, it's like, I know what it is now because of my relationship with the Lord. I know what it is to grasp. I know what it is to hurt. I know what it is to hurt others and to fail. And so, so again, by that, that self-knowledge, um, 
the Lord is able to work more fully. Think of the person who hurt you and what the person did. Let yourself feel the pain. Forgiveness takes a deeper hold on us as we forgive from the place of pain. To say you forgive while denying the pain does not deal with the root. That's us not going to Jerusalem to die with the Lord. That's us taking the easier path. And he's calling us to go to Calvary with him. Once you've gotten in touch with the pain, say out loud, in the name of Jesus, I forgive blank for blank. Say the name of the person or describe the person, you know, the man with the dark jacket who attacked me. Um, Then be very specific of what you're forgiving the person for. There are at least two reasons to say it out loud. First, it helps you focus and keeps you from being vague. Second, you can listen to yourself. You can tell if you're being real or not. If you trust the person praying with you, you may ask him or her to help you be specific. If the person has discernment or empathy, he or she may be able to give you words that help you. In the past, in doing uh, deliverance prayer with brothers and sisters, again, that communal aspect, um, my brothers pointed out things that I missed on my own. Hey, what about this? It sounds like you're still kind of salty about this thing over here. Okay, I didn't, I didn't know, but you're right. So let's, let's pray into that. And you pray for the love of God would release you and make you a vessel of his love. Repeat these steps if others come to your mind whom you need to forgive. So in closing, it's, it's an act of the will. It's not an emotion. And then the question is, like, how do I know if I really did it, you know, based on some of these things? We trust in the Lord. Like, I made this act of the will. And there may be still, just like original sin, there may still be some, some residual stuff going on. When I, when I gave this talk a while ago, I talked about like an abscess, you know, an infection pocket in the body that often has to be like lanced and the gross stuff has to come out. So it's possible for an abscess to refill with like fluid. So it's not the infection. It's not the same thing. But there's still like, there's something there that over time heals and goes away. So... So the enemy, again, we want to know the tactics. What's the enemy going to say? He's going to say, you didn't really forgive that person. So, so you, you affirm what you've done. You examine it. And, and again, because we're fallible beings, we, we may have, we may drum up new charges against the person. You know, um, And so, so we return to this process. We trust the Lord. Um, and we... We are obedient, we you know, ask for forgiveness, and we trust his grace. And brothers and sisters, when we do this, the power that flows out of us and the love that flows out of us changes the world. Thank you, guys.